0: On the name of the Lord, you'll be turning your Bibles this morning to the book of Psalms, chapter 51. Just a few things before we get started. Thank you to our youth group. You guys are headed out for, for taking care of the greeting in the foyer and the umbrellas in the parking lot this morning. I, it's good to see the youth working. So we were just talking about that. They may have to do that once a month. We may we may need to up that a little bit more. Um, we've got a couple of pictures. Not many. we got some. I want to say thank you to Feeding by Faith. Uh You know, I I wanna, I wanted to put Costa Rica out, and I wanted people, people to share things about Costa Rica and the ministries there. But I want to make sure that we don't overlook Jerusalem to talk about the uttermost parts of the earth. We can't overlook all the ministries that are going on here, and. Feeding by Faith is going out. They prepared, I think, it was 80 hot meals that they served yesterday to go out and help people that are homeless, help people that are needy, help people that live right here in LaGrange, Georgia, people that are in hotels, people that just honestly needed a blessing. They carried out clothes and some very much needed coats and, and some things to just be a blessing to others. And that's not something you got to buy a $900 plane ticket for. That's not something you got to take a week off work for. That's not something you got to go eat a bunch of whole rice and beans and beans and rice and paint those when you combine them together. That's something you can do right here in LaGrange, Georgia. Craig, wave. That's something you do on a Saturday morning. Just go out and help prepare meals and be a blessing to people right here. Um, also, the nursing home ministries that, that we're doing, you can be a blessing to people in the nursing home. Lord knows if you've ever been in there, you know the need for it. The, the nursing home ministry has got a A Valentine's party coming up. I think the focus, the high school group, is actually over that, but they won't mind you going with them. That's going to be on Valentine's Day. I think that's on a Wednesday this year, February 14th, that they're going to go in and be a blessing. But ladies, here's... A plug-in for you. Next Sunday, February 11th, you got your ladies' Bible study tonight, your prayer meeting tonight. But you also have it next week. And on next week, you're going to be making some Valentine's cards. And I don't know, be creative, gifts, whatever whatever the Lord lays on your heart to make some things to go into the nursing home to be a blessing there. I'm just saying we don't have to fly over waters to be be a blessing. Matter of fact, when, when you look at the commandment, Jerusalem came first and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. So there's a lot of, a lot of ministries also. There's, um, if I would ask you if you would just stop and get your little pocket cross off the table. On the way out this morning, when you go out, just stop by the table. They're free. It, it, it is Mr. Don Mahaffey. Mr. Don Mahaffey makes the little pocket crosses, and he needs some help. The, there's two cards out there. It has his phone number. It has some information on it. Take a picture. I'd ask you, don't take the car because there's only two I've got out there. Take a picture of the card. You'll have his phone number on the back of your little pocket cross. It'll have his, his website information. And he's just looking for some help. You can go by for an hour. You can go by for a day, a half a day. He needs some help preparing the cards or putting them together or maybe in cutting out the crosses or, or some of the machines or things that's going. They're all made out of cedar wood. I, I would encourage you to just, just get the cross, look at the website, and look at the ministry. There are opportunities to serve God right here in LaGrange, Georgia. We talked about being the light last week. We talked about for for God to to use us and to be a light and that God would use us to reflect into a dark world. Those are ministries that, listen, they were a bright light to some people yesterday handing out some clothes. They're going to be a bright light on the 14th at the nursing home You can be a bright light to to Mr. Don Mahaffey. If you get a chance to meet him, you're going to absolutely love him. I'll go ahead and tell you, he's just one of those guys. He's one of those older fellows. He's sold out with the Lord. He's so humbled by what God is allowing him to do and by what God has called him to do. But he's got a huge ministry, and it's to hand out thousands of crosses in LaGrange, Georgia. But you know what it sounds like to me? Changing our surroundings one soul at a time. And it's an opportunity to take a cross and put it in. And a lot of times, the conversation starter is the hardest part. You have somebody that wouldn't cross, the conversation has begun. Kind of like the Red Marbles used to do, right? So at any rate, one more thing on your way out. I would ask you, if at all possible, if, if you could be here Thursday night. How many of you know who David Phelps is? So let, let me just, let me plug one in for you. <clears throat> when I became pastor, I didn't know who Zach Williams was. And I didn't know nothing about Chainbreaker. but, but I remember the first time I stepped out on the smallest limb I think I've ever stood on when an independent Baptist church brought in Mike and 10th Avenue North for a Christmas concert and in an independent Baptist church, Lord God, what is the world coming to? But man, it's one of the, it's one of the greatest experiences. It was a phenomenal night, and I got to meet Mike. And you know what I learned about Mike? We grew up different. And he sings in 10th Avenue North, and it was music that I would have turned off and not listened to. But you know what I learned? He's was washing the same blood. He was saved by the same Jesus. He lived his life serving the same God. And then we brought Zach Williams in, not once, but twice. And the first time I got to hear his testimony, how he got saved. And the next time, in between those two trips, he won a Grammy. And I got to hear his testimony of how God did more in a year singing for him than I could have done in a lifetime of singing the junk I was singing. <clears throat> I'm telling you that for a reason. David Phelps is from my world. And 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 if I can come to Zach Williams and get all I got out of it, and I truly am about as broad as it gets in any gospel music now, man. I just, I, most anything, if the words are right, it's a blessing to my heart. If you want a blessing... You don't want to miss David Phelps. He is probably the best tenor singer that has ever lived on this planet. I know we had Guy Penrod in here a little while back, and Guy's extremely good. But I don't think there's anything like David Phelps. He's got a heart about him. He's got a spirit about him. He's been singing gospel music for over 30 years. You're really going to want to be here Thursday night. I'm, I'm just trying to encourage as best as I know how. You can get tickets right here. They're in the foyer. They'll be in the foyer after church. They will be available at the gate. For those of you out there, they are available online, davidphelps.com. I'm just trying to encourage you, don't, don't miss a blessing. When God sends us blessings, it's good to, to grab a hold to them, right? <clears throat> so Psalms chapter 51, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't want you to raise your hand this morning. <clears throat> Y'all, excuse me. God bless you, those of you that are sick, and lots of you still are. Lots of us just got over. It's good to see some of you back in the house and praying for those of you that have got what we had, man. It just doesn't seem to have an end to it. But, but I don't want you to raise your hands this morning. You probably wouldn't if I asked you to, and I wouldn't blame you. But just consider the question. Has there ever been a time in your life since salvation when your Christian life just seemed to grow a little stale? Has there ever been a time since you got saved, and here we are living in Christian life when it seems like maybe we're, we're not as close to God as we once were. A, a, a time when, when reading this book becomes a challenge. It, it's more like a chore than it is a blessing, just something you got to do to start your day. A, a time when coming to church is all you can do to stay awake. It's really not a blessing. It's really not all about praising God and, and not forward, but, but, but it's really more like just a, a checklist of, of things to check off. Honestly, I, I believe every child of God. I believe every Christian has experienced the highs and the lows. I mean, you can't come back and look around and see the faces of those that went to Costa Rica. You can't come back from that and not be on a spiritual high. You, you, can't, you can't go there and not be touched. You can't go through what we had on Thursday night, not be touched, get a spiritual high. <clears throat> but here we are. Matter of fact, that night when everybody left and I got the group together and I made the statement to them, I said, This will wear off. When you go back, all this feeling and all this and all this spiritual high, this too shall pass, unfortunately. I said, Fight it as long as you can. Because it doesn't take long till you begin to feel like a, sp- a state of spiritual complacency. You begin to fall back into to, to the humdrum Through I believe one of the most dangerous places to be in the Christian life is at a stalemate. To, to, to be at that spot where you you're, uh, have a lukewarm attitude towards church. A lukewarm attitude towards sharing the gospel, a lukewarm attitude, maybe even toward salvation, a lukewarm attitude towards serving in ministry. I say that that's a very dangerous place to be at a stalemate or lukewarm because of the warning that Jesus gave us through the see in church in Revelation chapter 3. When he warned us about being lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Be cold or be hot, but don't be lukewarm. Don't just be stalemate. Don't be hanging out there in the middle. Well, here this morning in our text, David has got some serious sin in his life. Now, this is while walking with God. This is after David and Goliath. This is after you come unto me with a sword and a shield, but I come unto you in the name of the God of the host of of Israel, and I'm going to give your your body to the carcass, to to the birds, and the carcass of the Philistines, to the fowls of the air, and and I'm going to show the world that there's a God in Israel. This is after that. This is after he's no longer a boy under Saul. This is after he becomes king, and this is after he takes over, and and he's the head of the armies of Israel. They've they've gone in, and they've won great battles. and great. this, This is after all that. David has got some serious mistakes in his life. Now, I believe, I believe, based on the things that he says, that he has experienced a time of separation from God. He, he has a, a heart of depression and separation in his spiritual life. You know, that, that distant feeling from God. Y'all don't raise your hand, but somebody in here knows what I'm talking about. He tells us here in this text, he tells us about the seriousness of his sin. I want you to understand something. You don't have to do what David did to get to where David is. You don't have to have adultery with Bathsheba. You don't have to have your friend murdered and getting Uriah killed just because he was her husband and she got pregnant in your affair and you've been trying to hide it. You don't have to have that kind of sin in your life to get to the place of spiritual depression where David's at. David's down in a, in a spiritual low. Sometimes it's not so much that we've really done anything wrong, but yet we find ourselves in this spiritual stalemate. We, we, we've allowed ourselves to somehow grow stale in our Christian life. This morning, I, I want to look at the necessity of revival in me. The necessity of revival. In me, Here in our text, Psalm chapter 51, David has made his confession unto God. And in verse number 7, he says unto God, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. David's not talking about reviving anybody else. I want you to understand, he's not praying for others right here. <clears throat> There's a great thing in praying for others. There's great deliverance and great strength and great power in praying for others. But sometimes you've got to pray for yourself. Sometimes you've got to walk into the throne room of grace that you might obtain mercy on your behalf. He's praying for himself in verse number 10. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Then he says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. And and then he says, then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, thank you for loving us spite of us. Thank you for this book, this precious book, God. Thank you for David. Thank you for his strength. Thank you for his highs. Thank you for his lows. Thank you for pointing out a sin that we might see and that there's sin in some great, even the one that, that, that served you with his own heart, God, that, that you let us see throughout this life the ups and the downs and help us to understand it's not just us. It's a spiritual battle. It's a struggle, God. It's that old flesh that rises up. And I pray, God, you'd give us strength in here this morning. And I pray you'd empower every person that is listening, Father. I pray you'd give us, God, a heart to serve you, a compassion to drive, God, to reach out and reach this lost and dying world. I pray, God, will you help us to focus within ourselves that there be a revival within each one of us on this day. We love you, God. You've been so good to us. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, <clears throat> amen psalms chapter 85 verse number six david said to the lord wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee we talk about revival a lot we talk about how america needs revival anybody say amen that had a little video from something Raquel sent me earlier in the week. That speech from Abraham Lincoln was awesome. I wanted to use it a little part, but it wouldn't download, so we, we don't have it there. But he talked about the necessity of revival in America, and he talked about how we as a country have forgotten how good God's been and in the, in the falling away and, in, and how we've got the wrong things, the wrong priorities, the wrong things are important. And if he said it back in the days of the Civil War, glory to God, only knows what he'd say about where we're at today. But, but we talk about the revival, the necessity in America. And we talk about even what the church needs is a great revival. But I can only control what happens within me. See, I, I can't control what happens in anyone else's life. But I do know this. If there's joy in me, it's going to get on somebody around me. But if I'm humdrum, stalemate, lukewarm, murmuring, grumbling, complaining complacent that too is going to get on people around me we we look at this word revival and we automatically think well when is it man when's it on the calendar who's coming who's going to preach who's going to sing that's not a revival that's a meeting a revival is when the spirit of God shows up and revives some people And a revival may break out during a meeting but that really all boils down to the participants of that meeting That really boils down to what did they come looking for? What did they expect? What did they desire? And how much praise did they bring when they come? But it's not automatic. You can come to a meeting called a revival where God moves and the power of God sweeps through. And you can still leave unchanged based on your personal direction. So revival is not something that just happens. Revival is something that is to be desired. It's something that is to be sought after. In the first place that many Christians need a revival in our lives is in our prayer lives. See, many Christians believe in prayer, but a lot of Christians do not exercise prayer. It's not unusual for a regular attending church Christian to struggle with the sin of prayerlessness. Y'all heard the way I said that, didn't you? Men ought always to pray. Pray without ceasing. The effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It is a sin not to pray. God desires a relationship, and it's not unusual for people sitting on church pews every week to, to deal with the sin of prayerlessness. They believe in the power of prayer. They believe in the necessity of prayer, yet they fall into this place where they don't practice prayer in their daily life. The truth is no spiritual life will ever exceed the level of our prayer life. No Christian's life will ever be stronger than their prayer life. Prayer is a necessity if we're going to be in one accord with God. Prayer is a necessity if we're going to be in one accord with each other. Prayer is a necessity if we are going to be used greatly by God now let me give you some tips if you want to learn how to really pray and you want to learn how to put all the drama aside and you want to learn how to leave all the world behind and you just want to learn what it's like to pray in a simplistic prayer of faith you need to pray with a child you just need to, to spend some time letting a child pray for you out loud and you just listen while they pray. Because the child, they, they, they hadn't learned to be all sophisticated yet. See, we, we get all sophisticated and we tend to for, forget the simplicity. They, they, they just pray. See, God, we, we know that if we care enough to pray, that God cares enough to listen. Matthew 21, 21, Jesus answered, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. All things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. There, there's nothing quite like the simplistic faith of a praying child. See, a child just simply believes that God cares about anything and can fix everything. They they just walk into the throne room with with this great expectations. It would do us some good to listen to a child pray to remember the simplicity of powerful prayer. You wanna go to the other end of the spectrum. There's a great place to learn something about prayer. You know, when we go before God, we need to go before God in a thankful heart. We need to open with praise and thank you and close with praise and thank you. All the other stuff needs to come in between that. But if you want to learn how to be truly, prayful, tr- truly grateful, it would do us good to, to pray with, with some of the, the senior saints, some of those that, that's been through some, some hard times, some of those that's had to pray their way through some valleys. Some of them that's laid awake all night long, holding on to God at the end of the rope and saw God show up and make a way out of no way. And they've learned what it means to praise God through the storm. They've learned what it means to walk through some dark storms and walk in some dark time and lean on God and beg God and pray and see God bring it out on the other side. But then sometimes if we really want to learn how to pray we just need to pray with some new converts and just let them pray. Especially if it's a new convert that didn't grow up in church. See, they ain't they ain't learn all, all all the all all the little pros and cons. Well they they ain't learned how you're supposed to address old heavenly father and how see they they, they just heard that that Jesus was their friend. And they just got a hold of the fact that Jesus died and they just got saved. And all they know is they got a friend now that they ain't ever had before. And, and all they know, they, they hadn't gotten bogged down in the drama of the church and they hadn't learned how you ought to look or what you ought to be. They, they didn't get caught up in all the legalistic garbage that the church is drug in to take it away from the main thing, which is the word of God. All they know is I can go to Jesus. I can get on my face before God and pray and God cares and God hears. Sometimes we just need to pray with some people that ain't got bogged down, ain't been in church 60 years and heard all the stuff and seen all the stuff and been through all the junk. All they know is the simplicity of prayer. And all they know is one morning they got up. See, they they are a lot closer to where we were on the morning when we got up, lost and on our way to hell and went to bed that night, washed and on our way to heaven. They got something exciting in their life that they just learned about. It's still new. Sometimes it would help us to just pray with some new converts. Peter said that judgment must begin at the house of God. So revival number one needs to begin in our prayer life. Revival number two needs to take place in our physical lives. This is the point of the message where I'm going to get turned off. God bless you before you go. You know, radio, well, it ain't radio anymore. It's music, social media, television. Put so much garbage in our lives, I was talking to my son this morning, and we were well we, we we were we were praying and and so we kept our grandson last night, and he was sick and congested coughing and stuff well, he's sicker this morning, he's still a lot of congestion, a lot of stuff going on, and he was up most of the night, and Robin's like, "You're just now telling me this, yeah i'm sorry i ain't had I ain't had time but so so Amanda stayed home with him and, and tonight. Tonight I get to I get to preach over there. Cause my son's being ordained as a deacon. And I get to preach that. So so I'm pretty excited about tonight. So I'm not surprised that the devil's trying to throw some monkey wrenches and stuff this morning. I'm not I'm not surprised by the devil and his annex. But the one thing that Corey and I was talking about, and he made the statement about it being a nasty day and he's on his way there to church and and we, we talked about how You know, we we didn't get to see it. We were in Costa Rica, but that Kansas City Chiefs game, I understand, was the coldest game in the history of the NFL. Is that right? What were the wind chills? Wasn't it like 20 below or something? Huh? I mean, if y'all watch NFL like me, you've been watching football, you've seen some Green Bay games. You've seen some of the Chicago Bear games and and some of the um, Patriots games. I mean, you've seen some nasty weather stuff, man. And it was the coldest in the history. And we didn't watch it because we were in Costa Rica, but I heard the place was packed to the gills. And we talked about how is it that you can have these extreme bitter cold for a football game for three and a half. They sat out there probably four and a half hours in packout stadiums that they paid a ton to get to come to that thing. But it can sprinkle on Sunday morning and people are mad because they can't go play golf today. People are mad because they can't go fishing today. People are mad because they can't go to the lake today. But they're glad they don't have to come to church because it's raining. And the problem was we wasn't talking about people. We're talking about me. We're talking about us. It's us. We're the ones. We got junk in our lives that there's no room for. See, if, if you're listening to any kind of music that is not God honoring music, you're walking in the wrong direction. If you're watching any movies or you're going to any shows or you're watching anything on your television that is not God honoring, we are going in the wrong direction. If you're looking at anything on social media, anything on your phone that is not God-honoring, we are going in the wrong direction. You're not going towards revival. You're walking away from God. See, see, if you think God is going to come sit down on the log beside you down by the riverside and enjoy some good old Hank Williams Jr. with you, you got another thought coming. If you think God is going to ride in your car, keep ahead of your protection around your car, go before you and prepare the way ahead of you and keep everything safe around you and sing at the top of his lungs with your worldly music in your car. You got another thought coming. If you think God is going to sit down in your living room, bless your family, bless your home, keep a hedge about your house, be the centerpiece of your family, and enjoy watching that 30-minute sitcom full of filth in your house, you've got another thought coming. If you think God is going to open the windows of heaven and pour a blessing out on your life while you're sitting there on your phone or sitting there on your iPad pursuing the filth and the worldly garbage, you've got another thought coming. We, we will never experience a true revival within us as long as we're pursuing the things of this world more than the things of God. It's right out there on that foyer. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then shall all these things be added unto you. But but we're in this place where, and I'm not not out there in the world right now, we're dealing with Christians. We're in this place where we can't experience revival because we're too busy following the things of the world. We're we're too busy seeking out stuff. Psalms chapter 150 is the the beginning of a revival. David said, praise you the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty act. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. When we start praising God in every area of our lives, Then we're going to experience revival. When we start turning off the music of this world, and I don't care what genre it falls under, if it's not honoring God, it's not godly music. If it's considered a Christian song, if it's got words that are offensive that are not God-honoring, it doesn't matter to me who's singing it. If it's not God-honoring in its words, it's not God-honoring. And and until we stop putting that, that stuff in our life, when we start getting everything out and we start turning off the filth and we begin to pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto you, God. Then we start looking for revival. Then we start cleaning out the trash. So revival begins in our prayer life. And it must take place in our personal lives. But if we're going to see revival in America, we're going to have to see revival in the church. And if we're going to see revival in the church, then we're going to have to see revival in the pulpits. This is God's podium. And this is the place for the teaching of God's word. This is the place where you call sin, sin, and point out sin. You don't sugarcoat it. You don't dance around it. You don't back off. This isn't a place for political correctness. This isn't a place to worry about the offenses of somebody's little feeling that they've got left. This isn't the place to walk on eggshells. We need some good old-fashioned Holy Ghost-anointed preaching that'll preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, thus saith the Lord, and waver not. We we need some good old-fashioned, Holy Ghost-anointed preaching that'll stand up and preach on Jesus Christ, that'll preach on the blood and the salvation of the blood, and and that it's only by the shedding of blood that that sins are are cleansed. See, the world don't want to hear that. People, they they, they, they don't want to hear that stuff. They they call it gory. Well, that's just gory. They they call Christianity a bloody religion. Well, it's one of the two, but you can only be 50% right. Because as long as it's Christianity and it's truth, it's not a religion. It's about a relationship. It's a relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So as long as it's Christianity and the blood is involved, it's not a religion. Because when you take the blood out, you just changed everything. It's the blood that washes away sin. It's the blood that gives a sinner like me a brand new home a brand new start, a, a, a brand new life. It's nothing but the blood. So when you take the blood out, now you have a religion. We need for the pulpits to, to call out what is holy living and what's not. We, we need for the pulpits to, to stand on, on the truth and call out sin and, and not worry about what well, somebody may get mad and go to another church. Not worry about well, somebody may get mad and not pay their tithe. And they're one of the best tithers in the church. Listen, I'm sorry, but if they're not in line with God, their tithe ain't doing no good. God can take a worldly man's money and do his work. He don't need somebody sitting on his pew with a frown on their face because they didn't get it the way they want. I put this much money in the pot. Well, God bless you. Take it back. We, we need for the pulpit to preach the truth of the gospel the way God wrote it. Hey, 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 and not as bro- Brother Chapman used to say, not watered down, limp-wristed, panty-waisted. How many of you here, Brother Charles? We, 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 we need to stand on, on the truth the, the, the way that it is. A, a revival is not about who's singing or or, or who's preaching. It. It's not the date or when do we need to be here. It's not something that we have to wait on. It's not something that we even need other people for. A revival is simply the renewing of a spirit within me. And for us here at Faith, we're still preparing for October. And I'm not talking about the physical work, although there is tons of that to be done. I'm talking about the spiritual revival that can take place in us. So so that as David said, then we can teach others about Jesus. Then we can see souls saved. Then we can be used mightily by God and make a difference in the lives of others. Psalms 51, here in our text, in the first six verses, David made his confession. In the first verse, he said, I, I'm sinful. Verse number two, he said, I'm, I'm sorry. Verse number three is a confession. and verse number four, he just gets real with God. He says, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Verse five, he says, I was born in sin. Verse 6, he says, I was blinded by sin. There's probably not a Christian who can't understand that when you look back at something you've done in your Christian life. Blinded by sin and you look back and you go, how in this world did I fall into that trap? The thing that you said you'd never do, you did. The thing that you thought you'd never think, you you thought. And, And you look back and you see, how could I have not seen that at the time? That, that I was blinded by sin. That, that's what David said. He said, I was blinded by sin. I was caught off guard. Verse 7, he says, but I know that no matter what I've done, that you, God, can make me clean again. You, God, can take whatever I've done. You can make me whiter than snow. Then in verse 8 and 9, David offers up this plea for forgiveness. And then in verse 10, he's created me a clean heart. That means pure. Create a a pure heart in me. And then he says, renew a right spirit within me. That word renew, it means make it new again. Take me back to the place where I've been. So, So David is praying for a revival within his own heart. See, sometimes we just need to ask God to take us back to the place when it was new. Take take us back to when it was was fresh. You know, right after we got saved, when everything was new and everything was exciting, sometimes we just need to ask God to take us back to to when we looked forward to coming to church. When when we came with great expectations and we expected a, a, a movement of God. See, we hadn't started working in Awana yet. We we hadn't gotten bogged down in ministries yet. We we hadn't gotten caught up in all the dramas or sidelined in one of the little cliques yet. We we hadn't got caught up in in all of the stuff that that made coming to church just a formality. We, We weren't coming just because it was our week to do something in some kind of ministry. We were just coming to praise God for what he had done in our life. We were just coming to say thank you. We were just coming to, to gather with the brethren and the fellowship. It, it's sad that the longer we stay in, when we should be growing and growing and growing, and we are growing, I hope everyone's growing spiritually and growing in scripture and growing in knowledge, but we're also being pulled down by the drama and all the stuff that we allow to go on inside the house of God. Sometimes. We just need to open right there to Psalms 51. Just make that our prayer. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Forgive me for the humdrum. Forgive me for the lukewarm. Forgive me for my stalemate attitude towards church. For For just... Going through the motions for coming to the house of God with no expectations of a revival in me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. But then he says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. That that word restore. It's the same. Take me back. Take me back to when it was new. Restore me to a time when when it was fresh, when when it was exciting, caused the joy of my salvation to return to what it once was. A, A Christian who is truly saved and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you can never lose your salvation, but they can lose the joy of their salvation. David did. That's what he said. He's in a a state of depression caused by his own sin. It was a sin of his past that that was haunting him and it was robbing him of his joy. David doesn't go to a psychiatrist. He doesn't go to a a psychologist. He got on his knees before God. He went to the only one that could meet him where he was and change it. He went to the only one that met him the first time that carried him to that place. And he went back. He said, I want to go back to that place. I want to go back to, to a oneness with you. See, many times Christians have, They've lost their joy because the devil won't let them forget the sins of their past. Sometimes there's things that they've done since they got saved and the devil just keeps throwing it up in there. Sometimes it's a reoccurring sin that that somebody's just not able to let go of. And and they just keep dabbling into it. We will never experience a, a revival until we have put everything on the table before God. Psalm chapter 32, David said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no God. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture turned into the drought of summer. Selah, that, that means that there's a pause for a moment. Then verse 5, David says, I acknowledged my sin unto thee. In mine iniquity have I, have I not hid. Now I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. See, David confessed everything that God already knew he was just waiting on David to come clean. See, God already knows where you are. God knows the battles going on in your mind. He knows the stuff going in your heart. He's not going to make you surrender. He wants you to surrender. He wants you to decide, I want God more than I want stuff. I want my relationship with God more than I want the things of this world. He's waiting on us to do like David and for us to come to the place. David knows that the sin in his life has created a a roadblock, a a stumbling block in his relationship with God. And David knows that, that he can't show others until he gets some things right in his own life. It's a simple concept. You can't lead someone to a place where you're not. You can't lead someone to a place where you're not going. If you're not going to a spiritual high, you can't take somebody there. If you're not going to the house of God to worship, you can't take somebody there. You can tell somebody to go. You can send somebody. But that's like telling your children to go to church, but you never go. How long do you think they're going to go? How long is that? So if we're going to show somebody the way, we got to go there first. David says, I'm going to get some things right in my life. I'm going to put everything on the table of confession. I'm going to ask God to forgive me. I'm going to ask God to restore me to, to the place where I was. And, and then, then I can reach others so that others come to repentance. Then I can be used by God to add souls to the kingdom. There was a time in, in David's life where he needed a serious dose of revival. There, There was a time when he just had to get real with God so that God could could restore him to that place of fellowship, that that place where he'd been. There's many Christians in today's world who just need to get real with God. They just need a good old-fashioned dose of revival. Revival. They just need a touch of the Holy Spirit. They just need that little brushed anointing to to pass by. They need a a fresh new anointing because yesterday's won't do. See, as as Christians, sometimes it's like we need to hit the reset button or or the restart button. We get so bogged down in the work, and, and I use this a lot, but we get so bogged down in the work of God that we forget about the God of the work. We get so bogged down into the ministries and the things that we're doing that before we know we're burnt out and we're burnt out towards church and we're burnt out towards a ministry. That's because we became focused on the ministry rather than the God of the ministry. If, if you're in a ministry, God is allowing you to serve him. God is allowing you to work for him on his behalf so that others might be touched. It's not a bogged down thing. It is a glory to God thing. But if we're not careful, we, we, get, we get bogged down in, in, in the stuff. See, we don't have to do what David did to get to where David was. All it takes is that little falling away. All it takes is that little lack of importance where the things of God just aren't as important. are reading my Bible is not important in the morning, where prayer time is not important in the morning. And before you know it, Sunday's, Sundays church is, is not important, and things just begin to, to slide away. We have 247 days left till the first night of judgment journey. I'm not sure we really understand the importance of the necessity of of revival. See, the the amount of God's power on our lives and the the level of God's anointing in our lives can and will affect the number of souls that will be saved through our lives. We're, we're, we're going to have to get it right here. I'll just, I'll just go ahead and, and tell you. I'm, I'm not, I don't mean to brag. I'm just telling you. We're going to build a great show. You all hear what I'm telling you? We're going to build a great show. And without the power of God, that's all it is. We're going to build a great show because the show has got to be great if people are going to come. God taught me that years ago when I was grumbling about something. I saw at 4.30 in the morning about one of them old bands that I wanted to get in, and, and God told me we were just building the show. I'm like, what are you talking about? And God said, if your show ain't no good, find out how many people come. You're down here working to make the show good. That was a lot of years ago. Probably my first year as pastor. I've been 10 years ago. Yeah, almost 10 years ago, about a week shy of it. We're going to build... A great show. But if the show is not anointed. If the people producing the show. If the people acting in the show. If the people portraying this book. That we're trying to depict down there. Are not anointed. Then everything about it. Becomes sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. See the show's not the focal point. The gospel is. Everything that we do. That's the center point. This has to be the focal point. Y'all want it to sound a little bit closer to home? We have 35 weeks left. We have 35 Sunday mornings left before the first night of judgment journey. Doesn't sound like long when you look at it that way, does it? See, it's up to us to prepare ourselves to be used by God in ways that we could never imagine. And, and, and today is a, is a great place to start. And it's one of two things. It's either, God, take me back to the height of my service to you. Take me back to the place where I was or take me higher than I've ever been. See, even if you're on a spiritual high right now, anybody in here arrived, raise your hand, get up, come down here and I'll get out of the way and let you preach. Because if you've arrived, I promise you, you're miles and miles ahead of this one. So the reality is that there, there's, another, there's, another, there's no, another level. So, so we, we got to get to that place. God, may, may every word of my mouth, and here it comes, may every imagination of my heart, you know what that means? Every thought that I think be acceptable unto you, oh God. Anybody want to put that one to the test? Anybody very thankful that the people around you can't see what you think? God can. And what we need to do is put it in control. That When God looks, that God is pleased. There's not one of us that doesn't need to be changed. Because God's not a God of stalemate. God God is not a God of, of lukewarm. He's not a God of complacency. God is a God of spiritual growth. God will never... Never call you backwards. God, if you're going back, you're, you're, you're not in God's will. God will never call you back from place. Now, God will allow you to be still at a spot for a little bit. But when you start getting comfortable, it's time to move on. It's time to go up to the next level of service. It's time to go to the next because God will, will always call us up. Here's the best way I know how to put this. We cannot wait until October 1st. To start building that trail. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody been down there? We're still tearing stuff down. We we can't wait until October 1st. To begin to physically prepare that trail to be used. By the same token. We cannot wait until October 1st. To begin to spiritually prepare this vessel. To be used by God. To change this dark world. If I'm going to be a light, and that's what we're going to be in October, if we're going to be a light, then the more time we spend from now until October 1st in the presence of the S-O-N sun, the brighter we're going to be come October. So now is the time to prepare. Band, you guys, come on. Now, 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 now is the time for us to work. You know, now, now is the time right now. We're still tearing old stuff out. To make room to build the new stuff in. I mean if you haven't been down there. Where the horseman scene used to be. Is now nothing but a center spot in the middle of the trail. Where the makeup center is at. And and the horseman scene is way over here by Camp Hutch. So you're still tearing old stuff out. To make room to get new stuff in. See I see that the same in my spiritual life. I got to get some old stuff out. I, 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 anything that goes through my mind that is, that is worldly, anything that goes through my mind that is impure, whether it's a thought about something, whether it's a thought about a person, anything that God can't look on me and smile, then it has no place in my life. Amen. It means I got a lot of stuff that has no place in my life. Anybody know if you got a room cluttered full of stuff and you want to make it new again that the more junk you take out, the more you got room for new stuff in? That's what needs to happen in our spiritual lives. We we need to ask God, God purge me with hyssop. Cleanse me. Get all of the old junk out and make me new again. Make, make, Make me back to the day when I first got saved, anybody in here, just, just, you just want to be used by God. That's all. You just want to be used by God. You want to be used by God in October? I get that because I, I saw your vote. I saw where you prayed and God touched your heart. And 95, 96% of where it was said, I want to be used by God. And God touched my heart to work. So, so I already know what you want to do there. But do you want to be used by God tomorrow morning in your workplace or at school or in the neighborhood? Do you want to be used by God sometime this week at the grocery store in in the line? You know, you just never know who's looking. You never know who's looking. I don't do lunch much. But I was headed over to Home Depot to get some stuff, working by here. And I said, man, I'm going to pull in and get me a Happy Meal. and knows me knows if I do eat lunch, it's just going to be the Happy Meal because it ain't so much that will me down. Now, I pull in, in the line, of this one over here on the parkway, it's around the building. And I pull in, there's trucks everywhere. I said, y'all, y'all know my level of patience, right? <laughs> Not this one. I don't mind walking. I park my truck. I Bob right up in there. And I walk over at the counter, and I'm standing right by myself. And they're all working on a drive-thru. And I thought, well, y'all need to be working on it. some mile long. But I'm the only one in here. Now, a little behind me, there's that little kiosk back there. Y'all order on them thing? Well, eventually I figure out if you're going to order, you're going to go over there. Because they ain't coming over here. So I go over here. Y'all, don't, y'all ain't going to fire me as pastor if I tell you I'm starting to get a little annoyed. Okay, so I go over here, and and I find my Happy Meal, and I do the hamburger, and I put it in, and I'll, I normally like the apple slices, but y'all ever just in a mood, you want some McDonald's fries? I want extra fries. Y'all know y'all can get that in the Happy Meal, right? Well, not on that stupid kiosk, you can't. So I'm searching through and I finally figure out the only thing you're going to get is a Happy Meal some apple slices. Just shut up and eat the apple slices or eat your fries and leave them alone. Get what you get. And then I finally and I get in there and, and that won't let me. It keeps asking me I don't want to add anything to my order. No, I don't want to add anything. I want to check out. I'm too old for this stuff. It's like trying to operate a new cell phone for me. I finally get to the point that it lets me check out. Go back over here to the counter and I'm still standing here by myself and they're still working on the drive through young lady comes by and she smiles and thank you Jesus I smiled hey how you doing <laughs> and a little bit they finally see, they, they bring me my, my happy meal they say, do you have your drink cup in and, and my heart see it's, that, that, the, it's not just the words of my mouth it, it's that attitude of my heart I wanted to say, how do you think I got a cup? You're the first person I've talked to since I walked in here. But I didn't. I said, no, ma'am, I don't don't have my cup. So she hands me my cup, and I said, thank you, ma'am. I hope you have a great day. I walk over here getting my drink, and the young lady that I spoke to and smiled said, do you mind if I ask you, are you Pastor Yancey from Faith Baptist? Thank you, Jesus, that the words of my mouth did not match the attitude of my heart. But what I need is for the attitude of my heart to be acceptable unto you, oh God. Y'all understand I got a lot of work to do. I'm a work in progress. And what I don't want to be is any hindrance come October. What I don't want is anything in me to be in the way of what God wants to do in you. I don't want anything in me to be a stumbling block, a hindrance, a roadblock, a holdback. So the only thing I can do is work on me. And just God created me a clean heart. Make me acceptable in your sight. But here's, here's the key David says, Then and then only can I be used by you. Then and then only. Can you use me to reach the lost? Then and then only can, can I become acceptable so that you might use me and make me a light to that dark world. Y'all understand things have got to be in order, right? I want to ask you guys to stand. I want, I want to ask you, if you don't have anything else to pray about, you can pray for me. The closer we get to October, the more hiccups you can expect, the more bumps in the road you can expect, the more adversity you can expect, the more tri- the, the closer you get to a place of service in your life, the closer you get to God. When you decide, you know what, I haven't been going to Sunday school, I think I want to go to Sunday school and, and I'm going to go next Sunday morning, go ahead and expect this week. When you decide, I'm going to sing in the choir, I'm going to work in a ministry, I'm going to do this, and I know God's been bugging me to do it, and you know what? I'm not going to get to that spiritual revival until I get to the place where God's already called me to be. i got some things in my life i got to get right. And when you decide that you're going to start getting those things right, and you voice that out loud, and the devil hears that, go ahead and get ready. But I promise you this, it'll be worth the trip. It'll be worth the trial. Because when you walk through the storm, get to the other side, there's blessings over there. And you start seeing friends saved. You start seeing God reach the lost. And you you start feeling that compassion for other people. You begin to love people like you never did. There's joy on the other side of it. These guys are going to sing. I'm going to ask you if we could together, if we could just pray. We could just pray for each other. But it's okay to do like David right here. If you, if you want, you can bring it and read that prayer. You, and you can pray, God, create in me. David prayed for me, for him. David prayed for David. It's okay for Donald to pray for Donald. It's okay for you to pray for you and say, God, help me. There's, there's some stuff in my past that's hindering me. There's some stuff in my present that's hindering me. There's some stuff in my mental attitude that's hindering me. There's some stuff in my thought process that's hindering me. Help me. I just want to get all this stuff out. I want to get all my sin and all my past. I want to get everything out of the way so that you can make everything new. And let's just start over fresh. At the day I got saved, and use me for your glory.